Women's Revival Wednesday Night, speaker number two, Deaconess Tyra Simmons, topic, A Contentious Crowd. Greetings to our spiritual covering, Bishop Jacqueline E. McCullough in her absence, Head Elder, Elder Kent, Executive Leadership, Elders, my fellow Deacon Board members, leaders, and this listening, watching via social media in the United States, the UK, Kenya, India, and especially my church family and my family and friends. I know some of you are on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Now, you have heard the scripture in your hearing, and I promise you that I won't be long before you. So let's do this. A crowd. Have you ever felt alone while in a crowd? Has a crowd ever made you feel like a sacrificial lamb? A crowd can be good. For instance, before 2019, crowds would gather for concerts, school events, such as plays and graduations. However, nowadays, crowds have become life or death for most people. We are now watching what crowds we surround ourselves with in order to remain safe and healthy. According to Google, the definition of a crowd can be seen as one, a large number of people gathered together in a disorganized or unruly way. Two, to move too close to someone. For example, don't crowd her, she needs air. And three, of a number of people, meaning to fill a space, almost completely leaving little or no room. There comes a time when a crowd can be seen in a negative way. For example, a crowd can cause people to become hurt or trampled. On the other hand, there can be a crowd gathered for a graduation or a special occasion. In order for there to be large crowds, exemptions must be given or a safe key has to be shown. In today's text, we will look at and understand that the safest place to be is in the will of God despite a contentious crowd by the following three points. Point number one, they watched. Point number two, they wrestled. And point number three, they witnessed. Let's begin. Point number one, they watched. Verses one to three, here beginneth the reading of God's holy word. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was with a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Here we are looking at a time when Jesus has gone into the synagogue as he had many times before. Here we have the use of the word again in the Greek meaning, meaning returning to a previous position or condition. And in addition, what has already been done. This tells me and you that Jesus is familiar with spending time in the synagogue. We see this in Luke 2, 41 to 51. Jesus, even as a young boy, understood the importance of entering the synagogue. He understood that one entering the synagogue meant that it was about the work of his father. And a side note, imagine if we bring our children from young to church to Sunday school. Imagine how we could change Bermuda, how we could change our schools. Let me continue. Can I tell you that once we enter in the doors 
of Shekinah Worship Center that it's about the Lord's business. We are not here to watch one another, but to honor God. I didn't come here to look at you, and you surely didn't come to look at me. We are here to do the work of the Lord so that when we leave here, we are able to continue on with the Lord's work, whether it be at home or on the job. Back to the text. The Pharisees are watching Jesus, literally, to try and catch him doing wrong in their eyes. There will be times that people will be watching you to see if you are going to fail. You see, the Pharisees were the elite group of religious leaders that interpreted the laws and imposed them on the people. They were also educated and considered as high-class leaders. Side note, thanks, Dinkiness, Danielle Vaughan's. Let's look back at Mark chapter 2. Jesus is performing miracles and healing people, and more people begin to follow him. In verse 24, we read that the disciples are plucking corn, and the Pharisees are questioning why they are doing this on the Sabbath. Verses 25 to 28, Jesus explains to them why they are doing what they're doing. Now, most of you know that me, as a teacher of preschoolers, many times throughout the day, I get asked why. And no matter how many times I get asked why, I must still give an explanation so that my students will understand not only the what, but the why. But remember, as a young boy, Jesus has been about his father's business. He has remained steadfast and focused on what is needed to be done. When you and I are in the will of God, no one can stop you from fulfilling what God has placed in you, no matter what it looks like. God has chosen each and every one of us to carry out his will. Let them watch and see how marvelous God is. It is up to us to carry it through. And no, not everyone is going to agree. And yes, there will be naysayers, but guess what? Just stay focused. Now let's see after they watched how they wrestled. Point number two. They wrestled. Verses four to five. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around with them in anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the men, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now, as the Pharisees are watching, they are beginning to have issues with what Jesus is doing. Now, remember, Jesus is healing and preaching on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees deem that he is committing an offense. As Deacon Stephen preached during men's month, he stated that the Pharisees are defined as separatists and exclusively religious people, did not want Jesus to mix with the sinners. They were angry that Jesus would even be among the crowd. Thank God for grace. In Matthew 4, 17, it states, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus once again it's about his father's business. 
And as Christians, it is our duty to do the same. Back to the text. As Jesus is given a parable, just like he has many times before, and thanks Deacon Trump for being all up in my sermon, we know that a parable is defined as a short story that teaches a moral or spiritual lesson, especially one of those told by Jesus as recorded in the Bible. I continue. In verse four, Jesus is reminding the Pharisees that the Sabbath is not just about them, but also helping others. And that's what we have to understand, people. It's not just about us. It's about the kingdom. It's about helping others, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the situation. It's about the kingdom. Woo. In this text, we don't know much about this man. All we know is that he needs to be healed. This man must know that there is something about the name Jesus, but he knows something about the man named Jesus that he can trust his word. We can't trust man's word. We can't trust the premier's word. We can't trust MP. God bless them for the position that you yeah. But guess what? At the end of the day, they bleed red just like us. They're humans just like us. They will fail. They will be wrong. But guess what? We can trust God. Look up. Sometimes all you need is one word from Jesus to be healed and restored. In verse 5, as the Pharisees are watching, they are not speaking yet. Jesus, being who he is, knows that they are having an issue with what he is doing. Let's look at the word wrestling. Definition of wrestling, meaning, number one, to contend by grappling and striving, to trip or throw an opponent down or off balance, and to combat an opposing tendency or force, i.e. wrestling with his conscience. And number two, distress, meaning suffering from anxiety, sorrow, or pain. So now the Pharisees are not only trying to combat an opposing force, Jesus, but they are suffering from anxiety. When one tries to combat Jesus, they will be the ones in distress because in the end, guess what? We win. We're doing what God has called us to do. That's stressing out because they don't understand that what we believe is that it's about trusting God and what he's going to do in our lives. Hello? The Pharisees have not only watched Jesus healing the man with the withered hand. They haven't said a word. But guess what? Jesus knows their heart via the Holy Spirit. Their hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. He becomes angry with them and continues on with his father's business. Point to note, do not allow anger to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. I have a saying, just smile and wave, just smile and wave. The Holy Spirit will reveal in you and me that thing we need to get rid of. It may not show on the outside, but the Holy Spirit knows our heart. What's in your heart? Jesus has now instructed the man to hold out his hand. And now he is completely restored. It doesn't say that the man was almost or partially restored. 
but completely restored. When God does a new thing, he does it. We don't have a halfway God. He will not only restore it, but guess what? He will complete it. Guess what? He will complete a work that he has done in you and that he has done in me. Can you imagine for your own self, complete healing of your body, complete healing of your broken heart, complete healing of broken and withered relationships, just complete, period, as the young people say. All we have to do is stretch out our hand to him. As the man trusted Jesus, we too must fully trust him. Now that the Pharisees have watched and they have wrestled, they will now be able to point number three, be a witness. They witness. Sometimes in a crowd, despite them being hostile or against you, people will also be able to tell others of what they just witnessed. Jesus was already performing miracles. However, the Pharisees now see for themselves the work he is doing. Verses six to seven. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Verse seven. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea and a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Udamea and beyond the Jordan and there from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing came to him. Now, here we read where the Pharisees are out to destroy Jesus before he can perform any more miracles. Let's look at the word immediately. The word immediately occurs 55 times in the Bible. And we read in verse three, when the man was immediately healed. Let's look at some scriptures where the word immediately is used. Matthew 4, 22. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Matthew 8, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was clean. Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. The Greek meaning of the word immediately is amisos, which means forthwith, right away, at once, straight away, outright. We know that when something happens immediately, that it happens without hesitation. When Jesus healed the man's hand, it was immediately, and he was healed right away without hesitation. When God says immediately, there's no discussion or conversation. It is done. Now, it's the time to make your election sure. There will be an immediate darkening of the skies. Can you imagine? And when God does things immediately, mercy, there is no turning back. God does not come against his own word. Trust him today. Back to the text. And I'm going to verse seven. By now, the crowd has grown larger as more and more people are gathering. And Jesus sends his disciples away from the crowd. They have gone to the sea. 
according to Albert Barnes, to the lonely regions which surrounded the sea where he might be in obscurity and avoid their designs against his life. As I studied, I found that Jesus decided to separate himself and his disciples from the crowd. See, sometimes there will be situations where you just have to walk away from people. Hello. Not because you're scared, but to protect yourself from the opinion of others. There will be times that you have to protect your meese in the midst of others. Not only that, but we must remember that we are in this world, but not of it, and must separate ourselves. Jesus has more work to do, and his time had not yet come. When you and I are about our father's business, there will be times that you must walk away. I'm going to say that again. When you and I are about our father's business, there will be times you must walk away. Walk away from negativity. Walk away from doubters. Walk away from naysayers. Just walk away. God has a plan and a purpose for us. And we must continue to be about our father's business. There is work to be done. My final verse, verse eight. And Jerusalem and Udumea and beyond the Jordan and there's from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. Folks, people will follow you, not because they like you, but just to see what you're doing. In other words, people will come to be, as we say, pokey. People coming from all over the country to see about a man named Jesus. When people see you doing good, they want to know, how she, how he, how Shekhan, what? Shekhan has done land? What? And they will come to a service just to look and take pictures. When really, people don't understand that you're blessed and a child of God. I can attest many times when God has blessed me. And not because I've been a perfect Christian, far from it, but because I trusted him and proved his word. That's what you have to do, people. Prove him over and over again. And he will show you that he is marvelous, that he is a provider, that he will come through, that he will do what he said he will do. He is able. Now, this isn't to say that those in the crowd were not there for healing. However, I am pretty sure that by now the word has spread of Jesus' miracles. I found in study that people not only came from Jerusalem, which is in Judea, but also many from the capital, the place of wealth and honor and power. See, when you're about God's business, he will put you in front of theirs with power and wealth. He will have them come and see what you're doing, how you're doing, and what you're doing. In life, it is not about how much you have, but what you do with what you have. Little is much when God is in it. Jesus is just a man going about his father's business that has caused a crowd to gather. The Pharisees have now become witnesses to the healing miracles of Jesus, and now others will also become witnesses. My conclusion, when there are witnesses, they are able to see that the Lord is good. 
Let's be about God's business so that we are able to draw others to him. Let's bring a crowd so that they too can be a witness of his goodness and mercy. We must ask ourselves, are we being a witness to the laws? Can they see the miracles being done in our lives? Do they know that we are about our father's business? Folks, let's do what God has called us to do and win souls. God bless and thank you.